Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And just a reminder, my website is wedontdie.com, where you can always find medium classes. Our free Sunday gathering inspirational service happens at two o'clock in New York time every week with, yeah, medium demonstration. I said that, and also all my podcast episodes Besides We Don't Die Radio, I host Shades of the Afterlife on iHeartRadio. So that's all at wedontdie.com and so much more. Our guest today is a longtime listener and friend of We Don't Die. Her name is Claudia Milligan. She's a near-death experiencer, a Reiki master, a medium, and she's the author of a brand new book called Letters to David, Following My Son into Spirit. I know some of her story, and I just thought she's a special lady, and I'd love for you to hear her story in her own words. So, Claudia, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you, Sandra. I am so excited to be here, and it was so kind of you to um, invite me. Uh, yeah, I have I have been following you around for a while. I relate so much to this. That's nonsense. That's just nonsense, right? And then my son passed, and it couldn't be nonsense. It was not allowed to be nonsense. So I started seeking, as I know you have. And yeah. uh, Letters to David is... I don't know if I could call it the result of that seeking, but it's it's one of the byproducts. Let's go back. Let's find out about who you are, where you are, maybe a little bit of your professional history. Yeah, tell us your story. I know there's a near-death experience somewhere in there, and then we'll get up to present time. Okay. Well, somebody said, what's your bio? And I made a face, and I said, I wrote a book. Because it feels like that's it. But there were other things. There was uh, a big part of it was me so trying just to be safe, to not get into trouble, to follow the rules. So a lot of that was um, religion. And a lot of it was accounting because debits are on the left and credits are on the right. And it's all very clear. And you don't have to ask any questions as long as it comes out to zero. Yeah, that's true. So you're an accountant by trade? Is that? Not, not I hated it. Um, oh. <laughs> I, 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 went, I went to college. I started in accounting. I remember one morning at 8 a.m. walking into an accounting class after a little too much Boone's Farm. Don't quote me on that. And it was 8 a.m. and she was blah, 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 blah. And I got up and I left and I became an English major because I've always loved the one side of my brain. And but I know that you don't get rich off of writing poetry. You just don't. It's the way the world is made. And when I was 18, I thought that um, putting food in my refrigerator was more important than doing what I loved. And I changed my mind about 20 years ago. 
Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, it is important to have a roof over your head and food on your table. Absolutely. But it's also important to follow your passion. So you said you were kind of a skeptic like me back in the day. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I hadn't put a lot of thought into it at all, but it didn't make sense that somebody would be born and and created and have a personality and then die and disappear. That seemed like a waste of effort, right? Right. So, but if you would have said to me, well, why do you think that? I haven't thought it out. Leave me alone. <laughs> Debits on the left, credits on the right, you know? Um, but then David was gone and I couldn't let him be gone. It, did the near-death experience happen before David's passing? I just want to, yeah, yeah, I definitely want to hear about David and the okay. book, but I, I want to make yeah. sure we cover all bases. Tell us what happened oh, with luck, that. But okay. <laughs> as um, many as we I, can. I call it an inadequate near-death experience because I've, I've read a lot about it and um, you know, they have an experience of a white light and what's there and who's there and grandma and I had sepsis and I knew I was very, very, very sick. And I was laying there and there was this really nice lady standing on the right side of the foot of my bed. And I remember her clearly and her voice and the way she sounded. And she just said to me, do you want to go home? And I knew exactly what she meant. And that sounded like the, the deal of the century. And I said, yes, I do. And there was a pause. And I said, but could you make sure there's somebody to take care of David? He was nine at the time. And I guess I was elected because I came to. Uh, the doctor said, whoa, we thought we lost you. And I raised my boy. And now he's raising me. Well, we want to hear more about that for sure. So tell us about young David. Tell us about him. Because I know he still lives on in the unseen yeah. world around oh, us. Yeah. But yeah. Is it okay that, if I tell you a little bit about what happened after that? Do you want to go home? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I didn't realize it for 20 years or so. But right after that experience in the hospital, I just started writing. I mean, in a different way. I call it intuitive writing because I don't like all the labels that people put on it. Automatic writing, uh, trans communication. Oh, there's all sorts. Channeling. And whenever you're in a group of 20 people and you use a label like that, there's at least five that go, oh, no, no, we don't No, It's not a thing. Mm -mm. <laughs> so, so I use a term that I've never heard before. And what I mean by intuitive writing is that I start writing after I've invited my brain to step out of the room. And I would be in a place I call the meadow. And it's not that I would make stuff up. It's that I would have experiences and I would write them down. Stuff like that never happened before that inadequate near-death experience. Or I would simply 
start writing letters to and then writing letters from pretty much anybody. Say more about that. And how did you get the brain out of the way? Because I think that's nearly impossible. (laughs) Well, I hate to tell you, but I think you already know the answer. Um, (laughs) Meditation (laughs) is the answer. And I always hated to take the time because I had more important things to do. But I think I really came to a place where I understood how valuable it was to have my brain as the servant instead of the master. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. I'm not there yet, but I know it's important. Yeah. And I'm not always there, but I also found out, and this was embarrassingly recently, um, I found out that I cannot be truly present. I'm in this chair, I'm breathing this air, I'm having this breath, and be in my mind at the same time. I can't. And the only way I know to do that on a regular basis is to sit my bottom in the chair or wherever and to pay attention to whatever, my breath, my body. And when I get a thought just to go thinking, okay, you know. Let it go like bubbles coming to the surface underneath water. And yeah. then you picture the meadow? Is that what you do? It's picture more, the more than that. I mean, when I um, am doing some writing, you know, sometimes I picture places, things, people, but in the meadow, it's more like I just go in. I open the door and go in by just writing or saying, I am in the meadow, and that's my key. And then things happen in the meadow. And all I do is write them down as they happen or or right after they happen. Are your eyes open while you're writing? Do you just have a notepad in front? Are you typing into your computer? Just want to try to get a visual of what what you're doing. I I am not sure. Most of the time, I think my eyes are closed because I'm kind of lazy. And that way, I don't see the dog coming in or I, you know, I don't, oh, there's dust in that. It helps me get out of this reality. Mm -hmm. And into that reality. Um, I started with a notebook because I started before I had a computer. But then I found out it was faster. I could keep up with what was happening if I had a keyboard in front of me. And just amazing things have happened. And I've told this story, but it's one of my favorite stories. It was pretty early on. David was just nine nine plus and it was mother's day i think and i what was in the meadow and i was in the the tent that the kids had put up for me and i went into the tent and they brought me breakfast on a tray i think twinkies with a glass vase with a single red rose how cool is that thank you kids and you know i'm done with the meadow i get back in bed David knocks on the door. He comes in with his my breakfast on a tray with, you guessed it, 
a glass vase with a single red rose. Never before or after have I gotten breakfast on a tray from David and never before a red rose and never before that glass vase. And you only saw it in your mind's eye. Kind of weird. Yeah. Weird and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, both. Okay. So the lady who was at the foot of your bed when you had your inadequate near-death experience asking if you wanted to go home. You didn't get that opportunity. So you started doing this intuitive writing. So you had some practice in that. And now David's growing older in this time, right? You have a good relationship with your son? Good kid? Um, Depending on the day. Yeah, of course, because we all go through our teenage years and things. Well, I've got a really strong personality, good some days, bad some days. And so does David. So... There was a lot of this. We still argue. We still argue. He'll say something to me from spirit. And I'll go, no, no, that's not the way. And we both love it. Well, you have to talk about that now. Talk If you could, if you don't mind, talk us a little bit. How old was he when he passed? Maybe what happened? And then how did you develop this relationship that you're communicating with him? He passed at the age of 29. He passed by his own hand. I knew ahead of time. I remember walking into a therapist. I hadn't seen her forever. And what brings you here today? And I said, "Hmm, David's not going to survive this last run and I'm going to need help. And that was in January of 17. And he passed near the end of March. So I just knew. And and that wasn't uh, anything woo-woo. That was by his behaviors, his actions, and his words. I, I, and, I, and I couldn't stop him. I couldn't stop him. He passed on a Monday. On a Friday, I said out loud, because I always talk to my kids, and all the moms seem to talk to their kids, I love you, David. And I heard in my head, love you too, mom. And thank goodness I had a friend who didn't think this was all nonsense. I called her my woo-woo friend. She had crystals and all sorts of weird stuff. And so she sat on my patio and started asking questions and And I started telling her what was going on. And she said, you have to see a Reiki medium. I don't know if I knew what a medium was. I would hope I did. But I know I didn't know what Reiki was. So I said, "Uh uh-huh. What's a Reiki medium? And she told me, and I still didn't know. And I said, no. Now, I think I said something rude at that point, but I don't exactly remember. But I do remember the pain. And one of the good things about pain is it's a a brilliant motivator. And nothing that I was doing was helping. And so it was worth a shot. It was worth an hour of my time. And I met my first Reiki medium. I've never heard that expression before, Reiki medium. Well, she she didn't focus on uh, communication with those in spirit. She didn't focus on energy healing. She put them 
together like that. And that's what I've learned to do in a sense. Uh, but there was something magic that happened when I went and sat on that couch or laid on that table. That was a place where miracles could happen. I, I felt that even, you know, debits on the left, credits on the right, felt that miracles could happen here. What kind of miracles did she have communication from him? Oh, yeah. And that started right away. I mean, she would do Reiki. I would lay there. I would relax. And um, this is my number one spiritual tool. It says relax for anyone who's listening and not watching. She has a rock that says relax. And I've learned I can't do mediumship if I'm not relaxed. There's very little I can do if I'm not relaxed. At least there's very little I can do well. So I spent a lot of time relaxing. And after or during, sometimes, she would tell me what David had to say. Or, and David would flirt with her. Like her cheeks would turn all pink and her face would be all pink and she would giggle. And that was almost more evident, evidential than anything she said. Because I knew that David could have that effect on people if he wanted to. And she did say things that were evidential as well? Oh, yeah. Sometimes they were evidential, but I don't know about you early on, but I can talk myself out of evidence. I've seen moms get readings, you know, in groups or what, and maybe the the evidence might be something along the lines of, well, I have a, a teenage boy and he likes pizza. And a mom will go, oh my gosh, it's my son. And that's what we want. But three days later, she's gone, probably a lot of kids like pizza. So right. we need the real stuff for those three days later. One time, and this is in the book, but one time I was laying there, I knew how Reiki worked. She held my head, she hovered over me, she might hold my feet, might not. She's holding my head and holding my head. And I'm a little impatient. And she's holding my head. And finally, I get a little impatient. I open my eyes and she's not holding my head. She's down by my ankles, hovering but somebody's holding my head. <laughs> and I say, hold on a minute. I thought you were still holding my head. Oh, that's David. But it wasn't her say-so. It was my experience. And that's the magic of working with the moms or anybody who's grieving when they know. Great if the medium knows. Great, you know, terrific. You know, that... What is it? That and a quarter? I don't remember what it'll get you anymore, but not much. But when somebody has an experience of the presence of their loved ones, there's the magic. It's beyond proof of the continuity of life. It's the knowing. Because proof, I mean, <laughs> you can wiggle out. I can wiggle out of proof. But I can't wiggle out of that knowing. Once I know, I don't unknow. 
Well, that's great. And you bring up something very important. You know, I've seen plenty of medium demonstrations. Some are very vague. There's some specific information and you can hear the recipient get really moved by it. And then there's others that that they just use those exact words the day before, or maybe it was pepperoni pizza and they have one sitting on a plate next to them. You know, all that, that the average person might think, oh, I don't know if that's specific, but to the recipient, like you said, there's this feeling of knowing. We still have to use our common sense though. I think we do. Uh, Because as you and I both know, there's um, plenty of very high-priced mediums out in the world that are not doing such a good job. So I think Uh, it's important. I would never say that. (laughs) But Uh, it's true. It is true. And we're trying to raise that level. And I know you have gone on and taken medium training and you're one of the mediums out there that does give that 10-minute guarantee. If you're not happy, if you're not feeling it in the first 10 minutes, you don't pay and the reading ends. So thank you for being reasonably priced and having that integrity. Cause I think that's really important, Claudia. Thank you. It, it means a lot to me. I've never had anybody. I changed that to 15 minutes. Okay, good. <laughs> it takes a little time. I've never had anybody call me in the first 15 minutes. There's been one time where I said, you know what, this isn't working. Let's reschedule or, or whatever. Um, and and one lady called after I sent you a recording. But, you know, if they're parents, I'm not going to argue with them. It, if you're out there, don't listen to that. <laughs> Let's get back to David if we can. So there you are in the Reiki medium room, relaxing, having your session. And these things have come through. At some point, you've built your own relationship with him outside of the Reiki room. Is it through writing? When you said you heard his voice, was it like his voice or was it you with a lower tone in your voice? Or do you really do you really hear him? I heard him one time. I mean, uh, audibly. Uh, I was driving down the street and my phone rang and it was on the Bluetooth. And I hit answer. And you know, there's that second or so in between you hit the button or you pick up the phone and the connection is made. And in that in between, you know, like uh, they say in Peter Pan, that place between sleep and awake, that's where you'll find me. Right. So it's in that place between sleep and awake on my Bluetooth. And I hear, hi, mom. His voice, his voice, my ears, and oh my gosh. And then some lady came on and said, hey, we can have an offer for your house. And I said, no. <laughs> but the good news is, is that I wasn't isolated. And I picked up the phone and I talked to two people. One of them, Tracy, uh, my Reiki medium, one of them a friend. And I said, this happened. And I remember Tracy saying, you sound surprised. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But it was wonderful. And I was was in a mom's group, a parent's group at the time. And I wrote, oh, this happened. And within five minutes, another mom wrote, oh, my gosh, thank goodness you wrote that. Because it happened to me just two days ago. And I was freaking out. Oh, they'll do anything to get through. Absolutely. Let you know they're still alive. 
I've heard that many, many, many times. So how did the relationship continue? Because one believes, at least I do, that no matter what was plaguing them while they were here, and, you know, our mind is not an easy place to live in. So I give great compassion to anybody who's dealing with negative thoughts in their mind and all that. But that when we transition, we are healthy, well, whole, we can see life from a different picture and uh, a different viewpoint. And so as far as David goes, uh, I know you've written the book, Letters to David, right? And how did those letters start? And are you writing them and he's writing back, you know, through your fingertips, of course. But how did all that begin? Well, it really started, remember, the inadequate um, near-death experience. And I started writing to God, to my higher power, to somebody I thought would be interesting in writing back. And it just didn't sound like me when I wrote back. So right after David passed, a couple months, I started writing to David. Because if you can write to God, why couldn't you write to David, you know? He started writing back. And it took a full year before I really believed this. I grew up in a nice little church, and I learned a lot of things about what different people knew were true, and they told me, so I wrote it down, and I believed it until I didn't believe it. And a big part of mediumship, of having a child or anyone in spirit, is being willing to let go of everything that everybody told you about what was true and what wasn't true and deciding for yourself. I got a lot of moms will come to me and they'll say, Hey, this happened. Was this a sign? And I'll, I'm afraid I'll laugh and I'll say, I don't tell anybody what's a sign and what's not. Um, I didn't feel it. I didn't hear it, but what, how did you feel? I was so happy. Who do you think it was? It was him. And that's so special. But a lot a lot of us want to, you know, we hear or see or whatever. And then we go next door to our evangelical neighbor and say, hey, uh, I heard this. Was this a sign from my dead child? And we usually get a no, but they must know better because they've been in church longer. Sorry. You got a sense of humor. That's a good thing, Claudia. So a full year of you writing before it convinced you that that was him. How did you know? I mean, that's a that's a big commitment of a year of doing the writing. I'd say 360 days in that year. It was a little bit of just doesn't sound like me. And I was arguing against it all the time. I don't remember when Ram Dass passed, but that morning, David was all excited at somebody who was coming. He had never been excited about a spirit coming. And I thought, I must have heard about that. I must have, somebody must have said something or whatever. You know, I I was always a devil's advocate. But after a year of a little bit of proof here and there and here and there, it just got exhausting to argue against every piece after a while. 
I sat here and I said, that is you, isn't it? And I just knew. And I think I said before, once I really know, I don't unknow. Are you writing your words and his as you write? So if you have a question, David, are you happy? I'm just thinking of something. And do you write that? And then he says, yes, mom, this is what I'm doing here, et cetera. Is it, so you're writing both sides, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And he laughs at me a lot because he'll say, you know, since you asked about how I'm doing, and a lot of times I don't ask because I'm too busy saying, these are my problems, I need help. (laughs) Which is good too, because, you know, we all, I believe, have people who have transitioned. And so much we want that evidence that they're, they're still with us. But We've lost that companion that we can talk to. And so to be able to share, this is how my day went today. This is what I'm struggling with. It's very therapeutic to get it out, but it's also, you know, I don't know about you, Claudia, but if I want to have a conversation with my dad who's passed, you know, I can start, hey, dad, you know, I'm thinking about you. And next thing you know, I'm thinking, well, what was that show I was going to watch on Netflix, right? So it's it's not clear communication when I'm just thinking it. But when you actually write it down, I think it just is yeah. great but for many reasons. Soul, spirit, spirit, the whole nine yards are involved when I write, right? Yeah. And then the other thing I was thinking too, you said it took a year. No matter what you call it, inspired writing, intuitive writing, what I've heard so much, and even from some great teachers that we both know, in the beginning, it could be 99% us, 1% them. The more practice we give, the more commitment, the more they know, hey, you're listening. The more it becomes 2% them, 3% them, 10% them. And then in some cases, you know, I know people with their eyes closed and they bring through some incredible writing of mediumistic things that they're just like, they look at the page, like, did that come out for me or even people writing in a language that they don't speak. So the sky's the limit with, with writing. And I think what's important really is to practice it and be regular at it. Do it often. And not to judge it. I mean, you know, at first every letter was like, Oh, I bet that I just made that up. And David made it really clear. Ma, if I need to get through something to you, do you think I'm going to let your interruptions get in my way? I'm going to get what I need to get across. Across. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you were kind of like that, huh? That's great. And people don't be surprised if it's the sound of your voice, because even with our guides and things, you know, it's easiest for them to use our voice that talks to us in our head instead of maybe their own. So what did you put into the book? What's the book about letters to David? Tell us about the book. Okay. The first part is just really what I thought was the end. This is how it happened. This is how my life ended. And it's very short because it was hard to get much about a totally false premise because my life was beginning. Why I call it Letters to David Following My Son into Spirit, it's because, you know, I raised my boy. I did everything I could to teach him everything 
that he needed to know. And I had this door closed to spirit because, you know, it was nonsense. And then when he was there, I was going. There was no question. And I know, I know moms who have chosen to take their own life to be with their kid. But the the truth is that we don't have to change worlds to be with our kids or our or our dads. That for whatever reason, I'm here for a reason. You're here for a reason. My son and my dad are there for a reason. But I truly believe there are things I can do here that David can't do from where he is. I don't know. Don't don't give me many questions on that because I don't know why. But and there are things he can do from where he is that I can't. But we can work together. This book is back and forth, Claudia and David. The second part of the book is different topics, self-doubt, holidays and other terrible days, something like that. And I was writing leads. You know, my voice, this is what I think about this section about self-doubt and why it took me a year. And I wrote two and then David said, hey, I want to write a lead. And so he did. He wrote a lead for each section. And each time I said, oh, it's not what I want. But the next day I would read it again and it would be right on point. What I had written with his instruction, I don't know what to call it, you know. It's almost, it's almost like trance because I'm step back, he stepped forward. That's incredible. That really is. When people read the book, what are they left with, would you think? Hope. Hope. I I tell them in the very beginning, this is not a how-to book. I don't want them to do it my way. I'll, I'll talk to people and, oh, well, I don't write. Oh, okay, then be hopeless. I don't say that. We all have ways that we communicate with our loved one. Well, I text, I always used to text him. Okay, text him. Send smoke signals. Stand on your head. I don't, you know, sing. I don't care. But everybody has ways to connect and communicate and love. And it doesn't have to be my way. And trust. Do it long enough so that you understand that you're not making this up but be committed. It could take time. It, really a commitment of a year doing this, Claudia, is pretty significant. You know, we live in a time, I'm the same way. We want results fast, you know, um, but really to understand the relationship goes on. Yeah. But I love that obsession is a good quality. Sometimes. Obsession. Yes. We can call it I, passion too. Oh well, yeah. It depends on, <laughs> who you're talking to. But I kept doing it, even though I didn't know if it was David, but I knew how I felt when, even if it was me writing, it's me, Ma. I knew how I felt when I wrote that and read that the next day. And it was so strange because what I wrote on Monday Okay, whatever. But when I read it on Tuesday, it was as if I had never heard it before. 
that's amazing. And how did it impact grief? Because I know that, you know, our hearts all go out to you. No mom should ever have to have their child pass before them. And oh, grief is a, is a killer, as you say. But how did it impact or how do you believe it impacted having, keeping this a relationship alive and feeling these feelings and the just knowing? Did it make a difference through the grief? I know your dad would have had a certain way of looking at you or a certain way that he would put his mouth when he grinned at you because you were being silly or almost physical things, Mm -hmm. right? And that's a loss. I used to avoid the word loss. It's not a loss. It is a loss. But when I became absolutely certain that my boy was still with me, even if I couldn't feed him lasagna, that takes, I don't know, 80% of the loss away. And he actually got closer. It wasn't that he was still there. It, it was, he was closer than ever. Uh, and David says a lot, nothing gets in the way of love here, Matt. Nothing. Nothing. That's really good words. And I'm sure that your relationship was well, clearly different, but it's very strong. And whatever those things were that were in his mind that made him do what he did, he's free from that. So what's left is this pure soul-to-soul relationship. And the most exciting thing about this book is that I keep hearing from people who, as they're reading the book, they hear their children, either they hear them as thoughts um, or with their ears, or they just have a strong sensation of their presence. One person even told me she had a soul-to-soul communication with a loved one that wasn't so much a loved one, that they're estranged, but she felt a communication that's not me and that's not David. And I really think a lot of the, a lot of other people got together to help. It's important to hear these stories because it's easy to convince yourself that you're crazy, but then you find out that there's others doing this and information's coming through. That's not your imagination. And it's wonderful. It really is. And you can keep that, that alive. Claudia, we've got a little time left. How did you get into Reiki and mediumship? Because now you're somebody who offers medium readings and you're in Arizona and I'm sure people can find you there, but you work with people probably on the telephone and on Zoom and all those things that we do now here in 2024. But how did that world start that you wanted to give back? Again, David's passing opened that door that I had locked. And when you open that door, it's not just, oh, there is an afterlife. Okay, now let me close it again. It's, there's energy. Last night, I didn't feel so good. I didn't feel happy. And I was going to, okay, let's get rid of that feeling right now. And then I thought, I I know better. Oh, okay, I'm just going to feel it. Thanks, whoever reminded me of that. And I felt it. 
and it didn't last very long. There is so much magic in the study of spirit and the study of the afterlife. And as I started tiptoeing in, I got real greedy. Somebody told me, oh, but if you do Reiki, you'll be more likely to connect closely with David. Okay, where do I sign? And then I already knew I could connect with David and with other people in the letters. So the next obvious step was mediumship. Because I have had peace and hope and love brought to me. So why would I not want to share that? I agree. I agree. I'm somebody who gives everything I learn away because who am I not to, you know? And there's a lot of people listening and watching these days. How did you learn? Who did you study with, if I can ask? Or how did you jump on board? Uh, everybody. Um, I started with a lady named Tracy Lamb McChesney, and she's in Ireland right now, uh, two years, once a month, because she was teaching me. Read this book, think of this, do this, go here. But then I just started learning from anybody who appealed to me. Hey, David, I really want to learn this. Who am I supposed to go to? And he wouldn't tell me. But all of a sudden, Charlie Kelly would offer uh, free or reduced whatever. Or somebody would say, yeah, he's good or she's good. So, you know, a year or so, um, they wouldn't be that good for me anymore or sometimes more. But there there was always somebody else. And uh, Nietzsche says that every child should have many teachers. That way they learn to think for themselves. Oh, I like that. So I, I didn't I didn't go to, oh, so and so says this. I went to. This feels right. This Which feels is the same thing you do with your writing. Yeah. So often we want to trust or believe somebody outside of us. And easier. I try. I, it is easier. It is easier. I And I try to get this through on most of my episodes because not every guest fits for every person. And I, you know, some of the things that come out of my mouth, people might say, that's a little crazy, Sandra. But I've got to follow my truth. I think through every interview, every person we talk to, there's always some gold, even if it's not 100%. But we can all follow that inner compass. It says, you know, it might be true for them, but it's not true for me. Or, ooh, yeah, I can add a little bit of this anyway, to this, right? to this. Yeah, absolutely. So can, I think can you I, are. Can I tell you one of the yes. most important stories I heard from you? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you're you're sitting at your table. You would always feed the birds and you would feed the squirrels too uh, because you had blocked the squirrels from getting what they wanted from the birds. And one morning you forgot you were busy and you heard this and you kind of rolled your eyes, I'm making this up, but that squirrel kept up, insisting. He was knocking on my window. He was uh knocking on my window, and I was on the other side of the window. (laughs) And, And you finally, you got up to feed the squirrels, 
because somebody was adamant, and I think we need to be adamant about about the afterlife, about love. You know, we need to be adamant. Oh, that's all right. Don't no, don't worry about it. I'll be fine. That doesn't get me far. Be the squirrel knocking on the window. You are too funny, and it's great because I I do still feed them. I do out of the side of the house, and like Mom said, you're just helping these little critters helping them have a better life, you know, making life a little little bit easier. And I think whether they're critters and winged friends or two-legged friends that are people, if I've got something to share or you do too, let's just do it. Yeah. Oh, Claudia, anything else you want to share with us? Maybe how do people get in touch with you? Oh, uh, I I can be found at, uh, I love it, hello from home, and I had to put dashes, so it's www.hello-from-home.com, and the reason that I chose that is because, you know, I've heard hello from heaven, they're right here, what, hello from home, yeah, uh, you can find the book. Letters to David, following my son into spirit. Oh, say a few more words because the people who are watching right now can see it. um, I was was grateful because uh, a lady I I admire, Suzanne Giesman, said, we'll grab you with the very first line and pull you right in. This book shows how our worst moments can turn into the greatest gifts when we remain open to the wonders of the greater reality. And... I've seen so many people like you, but so many others say, no, this isn't working for me right now. I'm going to, I'm going to do life different. And they do, they do. And they find the lady that's feeding the squirrels and they, they make it. We don't, we don't have to get stuck. Those are your last words here, not here, but on our interview today. (laughs) (laughs) Claudia, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you, Sandra. Thank Uh, you. And to our listener or our viewer, be sure to go to Amazon, best place to get it, and just type in Letters to David. The author's name is Claudia Milligan. You can go to her website, hellofromhome.com. Just remember to put a dash in between hello-from-home.com. And also, please come to wedontdie.com. There's so much there. If you don't yet have a free copy of my book, at the bottom of the page, you can enter your email address. And it says you get the first few chapters. And here's the secret. It's the whole book. If you'd rather listen to the audio book, just go to the store page at wedontdie.com. Use coupon code FREE, and you get the PDF and the audio book. So those are there for you. We also offer ongoing medium classes. Like I said at the beginning, our free Sunday gathering is just a feel-good, inspirational service. And a big part of every single one of them is a medium demonstration. It's completely free. It's held on Zoom. You can watch past recordings at the website as well. So that's at wedontdie.com. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and it always gives me so much happiness to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is very, very important. You are one of a kind. 
trust your feelings, follow your passions. It's never too late to start anything. And if you got out of this episode, what I got, it's time to get out that journal and you never know who's talking, who's listening and who's there for you. So thank you again for watching or for listening and we'll see you again soon.